Welcome, everyone, to the House of Hustle podcast on Sports Radio 810. We are presented, as always, by Charlie Hustle. I am your host, Jared Sutton. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Stephen St. John. It is finals week. We have reached the NBA Finals. We're very excited for, to, to discuss the NBA Finals. But first, Charlie Hustle, thank you for... Uh, I got some Mizzou swag as sort of like a wedding gift. Oh, yeah. Um, from Charlie Hustle. And uh, so, so big shout out to the, the House of Hustle crew. He's all uh, grown all, up. All grown up. It's all You were there. Yes. It, was a, it was a special special weekend. So, um, But, yeah, ready to, to, to discuss some NBA finals and, and look forward to a heck of a series that's coming up. So charliehustle.com if you want to check out that uh, Mizzou gear. Whatever gear, whatever school that uh, you follow, uh, charliehustle.com. I have a, a beautiful Nigerian Nightmare Christian Okoye t-shirt that uh, – I recently got it from Charlie Hustle, and uh, I wore it in front of Christian Okoye, and it went over very well. Uh, he said, I like your shirt. <laughs> I'm, uh, actually, I'm actually flying the Charlie Hustle heart flag outside oh, of our really? house. And it is fantastic. It was it was one purchase I really wanted to uh, to get was the Charlie Hustle flag, so I'm flying that proudly. By, and, the, uh, by the way, congratulations on your marriage. Like you said, you. I was at thank the you, wedding with my wife, and I was sitting at a very basketball-friendly table with uh, J.T. Tiller, former Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Also, Phil Flip Pressey, one of the best point guards in Mizzou history. And then uh, Matt Zimmerman, who was assistant coach at Mizzou under Mike Anderson and now works for the University of Arkansas. And then later on, uh, Lawrence Bowers, who was uh, somewhat of a troublemaker yes. at, uh, at our yes. table, uh, yes. which was very interesting. And so uh, we had a lot of fun, man. And I, you know... It, uh, I mean, everyone remembers J.T. Tiller and what a great defensive player he was. Uh, and this is, you know, that's the kind of player I love, right? Yep. Man, yep. Just, he was uh, so much fun to watch. But I was had a discussion with uh, one of my buddies because I sent him a picture of, uh, of Phil Pressey. And my son, Phil St. John, used to love Phil Pressey to the point when he was playing and I was coaching him at St. Gabe's, we, he, he used to call me Flip. <laughs> Flip St. John, like Flip it. Pressey. But, I mean, I think people – forget how good he was oh totally agree. like how good i i because i think about some, some of the dumb things i think about like the most underappreciated players like of the different teams that i've watched or the different teams i've covered or, or, or follow and I, I i feel like james franklin will always be one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks in mizzou history especially when you see the level of success that they had with him at quarterback the year that they went to the sec championship game and uh and was in it with Auburn right until the end, but they couldn't stop the run because they wouldn't make adjustments defensively. But this is a basketball <laughs> podcast, and we're not doing that. But Flip Pressey was one of, I still think, one of the most underappreciated uh, uh, players, basketball players. I think probably if if there would have been more postseason success, yep. he would have yep. been looked upon differently, but – what a player. And just seeing him reminded me how much I used to love watching him play point. Yeah. I mean, he had eyes in the back of his head, really. It was kind of a, a running joke with us of just Phil could see things nobody else could see. Uh, he used to just put defenders on skates. He would just twist up defenders sometimes where they just didn't know where. I mean, turning guys around off crossovers, his speed with the ball in, the, in transition. He was also a very good defender. He had very quick hands. Uh, he was great at getting steals. But, uh, you know, Phil – you know, for from our standpoint, he was two years younger than us, and I remember his recruiting visit uh, when he came in to Columbia, and 
I don't know if they're still doing this now, but we got to play pickup, and um, that was part of the recruiting. Is that players had the option to play, so it was always sort of like a, you know, you can play if you want, but it was really sort of a test to see will guys play with us in, in pickup, and it was usually in the summer, in the fall period. Phil comes um, to campus, and we we knew he was a highly touted recruit. Uh, we knew the relationship with Mike Anderson, so I end up getting on Phil Pressy's team, and he's got braces. You know, he's like small, tiny. We I joke with him all the time now. I mean, just. He was high school Phil Pressy and uh, comes in and he must have had like 18 assists in this pickup run. And I was just like spotting up and he was finding me left and right. And our team stayed on the floor the entire day. We were on the floor an hour and a half. And Marcus and Kim and a lot of guys were very, very heated about losing to Phil. But I think we all knew at that point, like if we could get Phil Pressy and sign him. And, and I remember being in Kansas City. We were at Kate's Kitchen. In the Northland. Delicious. Me, Kim English are sitting there, and Kim looks across from me and goes, we just got the text, Phil's committed. And that was a great morning. Uh, Phil was I, – I think he's the best point guard in Mizzou history. I'm biased with that because I just think he had such a different dimension of playmaking. He was the best passer, and we had the best passing team my senior year. Um, and all of that was was really stemmed from, from Phil Pressey. And congrats to Phil, too. He's, he's going to be uh, moving on and taking a job with the Boston Celtics, so he's going back where he started his um, NBA career, really. I, I, he bounced around, but really his his time in the NBA was, was spent with the Boston Celtics. So he's going back. He's going to be working in player development. Um, and I think he's got a bright future in terms of being a coach one day. So congrats to Phil. Speaking of the Celtics, before we preview the NBA Finals, let's wrap up the Eastern Conference Finals because I still am not sure what I saw. <laughs> like, I didn't think the Heat were going to jump out to a 3 nothing lead. And then the Celtics looked like they quit in game three, so I didn't think they were going to uh, come back and win three in a row. And then after they lost, uh, the Heat lost in the fashion that they did in game six and that uh, buzzer-beating putback, I'm thinking, man, they, they're, they're not going to bounce back and go up to Boston and win. But then I watched the uh, – and this is what I want to ask you about. I watched the post-game press conference – with uh, Coach Spo, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they, they asked him about it. He goes, we can't wait to play game seven. We, sh- we wish we could play game seven right now. And I, and I know that it's, it's easy to say this now that they won game seven, but just that was the right answer. That was the right demeanor. Yep. It, he, had, he had already just put game six behind him. And he, it, it's, it's like he, he was showing the confidence in his team where at least to me watching that, and I'm sure a media guy taking too much away from a press conference, but it seemed like he knew that they should have won that game. He knew that they're the better team, and they just they wanted to hurry, just play again. Yeah, they they couldn't wait to play game seven. And then when that game started, it looked like they were the team that couldn't wait to play game seven, and they had Boston on their heels, and Boston never recovered. And so I was so impressed with with the leadership that he showed and then the way that that team came out in game seven on the road in a hostile environment and punched Boston in the mouth and Boston never recovered. No. And, you know, I think coach Spo, you know, coaches use the media sometimes, as you know, of sending a message to their team. I think there's something to be said there. Um, but I do think just the way the Miami, Miami heat, and we've talked about this a lot of, of just their, their championship pedigree uh, in terms of the culture that they have, they're built off toughness, and uh, I think they thought they let one slip away and they had a chance to close the series in six. So they know they got to go on the road to Boston and, and, and win game seven. And they they started the game 
like I thought they would start the game. Uh, yeah, Jason Tatum's in- injury is a part of this conversation, but the Miami Heat played with a fearlessness to them uh, all throughout Game 7. They just did not let go of the rope. Foot was on the gas, locked in, focused. Um, I just thought they executed across the board through those four quarters and, and end up going to Boston and getting a big win. Not easy to do. <laughs> Game 7 in Boston. Um, after you were up 3-0 and you're on the verge of history. Uh, from a, na- a lot of home games. They the did. Playoffs. And they also had these moments, too, where, like, it, it, it's not just Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown that's part of this, but moments where, you know, they lay an egg offensively and they, they you know, the Celtics score, what, 84 or something like that? Yeah, 84, their lowest scoring output of the season, regular season, postseason combined in a game seven. So, they were not that good. Uh, Jalen Brown said it in his post game. Speaking of post game after Game Seven, that they they failed, you know, to to really meet the moment. And I think that's Jalen Brown taking it. I appreciate it because he had eight or nine turnovers and really struggled to take care of the ball and was a he. You know, they they obviously had to play different after Tatum got hurt. Right. You know, and so Jalen had to take the forefront. They almost like switched roles. And I, I think Jalen really struggled with that. And Stress, it's, man. Yeah, he did. did he, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a part of a game seven. And I think that's what's so interesting about, you know, the playoffs. When you get in these moments, Coach Spo has been in these moments, right? And you see it from a coaching standpoint, tactically, and his messaging. Uh, and, I mean, just his roster all the way through down to Udonis Haslam, right? In terms of having veterans. Jimmy Butler gets a lot of this. Bam Adebayo is a huge part of this series um, in, in, in getting through this Celtics series. Um, and obviously they're doing this without Tyler Hero. When we talk about injuries, Tyler Hero hasn't been on the floor for them and is a huge part of, of what they are. So um, how cool to see an eight seed in the finals. And this is the second time it's happened. Um, a chance for Miami. And I think it would be so cool for Eric Spolstra to win a title now that LeBron and Wade and those guys are gone and I think it would add another piece to his you know resume as a head coach and all the success he's had to win one I mean another one for Pat Riley would be pretty amazing too um so this story of the Miami Heat uh, I think is bigger than what the Celtics you know had and, and the Celtics probably on paper had more talent um probably a little bit more star power um but you just can't sleep on the Miami Heat the Miami Heat you know as an as an eight seed they're on the verge of elimination twice in the play-in before they even got to the playoffs. They lost one of their play-in games. So for them to get through this and be where they're at, um, I think it's great for the league because it shows the, the parity of the league we're getting to and, and just across the board, the talent in, that's in this league. So if you can get in the playoffs, you have a chance, and I think that's what makes this so intriguing. So on paper, it doesn't look like a great matchup, right? Right. Um, Denver is the third largest favorite in the finals over the past 20 seasons. But Denver, this group of players, they haven't been in the finals. Right. And this is crazy. Miami's making its seventh finals appearance since 2006, which is the most in the NBA in that span. Golden State is next with six. Five of Miami's playoff rotation players, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, Kevin Love, and Duncan Robinson, have previous finals experience. And so when you're looking at this game or this series – and a team in Denver that is heavily favored, how much does playoff and finals experience mean to a team like Miami Heat, who are the uh, the big underdogs here? How much does experience matter when it comes to this series? I think it matters a great deal. I also think coaching experience matters, too, uh, with Mike Malone and Coach Spo, both very good coaches. 
Um, I think that's going to be a really fascinating part of this series um, because with every series and every series is different. There's always in-game adjustments, uh, personnel matchup, you know, uh, changes, alterations to, to your lineups, um, defensive matchups, uh, your offensive execution, what you're running, um, getting guys, you know, shots and opportunities, putting, putting the ball in different guys' hands. Um, that's going to be a fascinating part of the series. Now, when you look at the experience from a player's standpoint, you know, this is this Nuggets team fairly young. Um, now, Jokic is obviously um, been an MVP caliber player and, and been a multi-year MVP uh, over the last four or five years and has has been fantastic in the playoffs. Let's just call it what it is. I think he's been the best player in the playoffs. I think the Nuggets have been the best team uh, in the playoffs in terms of just they really haven't had a blip yet. Uh, Mike Malone challenged this team in the regular season, and I think you know we talk about Coach Spo and his ability to motivate through the media. Mike Malone did this. I want to say it was back in March, like right before we hit April, towards the end of the regular season. I don't think he was happy with how the Nuggets were playing. Uh, it looked like they were kind of taking their foot off the gas and just kind of coasting through the end of the regular season, and he really challenged them, and they've turned that around. And this Nuggets team – you know, Jokic is going to get a ton of the, the praise, and he should, um, just because he makes so many things happen as a scorer and as a passer, and he, he just impacts the game in all these ways. But Jamal Murray has been really, really back to Jamal Murray, bubble Jamal Murray, if you will, uh, when they were in the playoffs in 2020. And, you know, he's had, you know, 30, I think he averaged over 30 a game uh, in, in the Western Conference Finals and shot the ball at such a high level. He was huge in the series against the Lakers. He has to be great in the series for them to win it. it. It just can't fall on Jokic. I think Nikola Jokic will be fantastic. He he's been so consistent. I don't I don't really worry about him. Um, who matches up with him will be a good question of who's going to be guarding. I would assume it would be Bam um, right out of the gate. I think it's going to be a great matchup. But then it comes down to Jamal Murray um, and his ability to impact the game. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. will be a part of this series in a big way. I know that the ears perk up when we talk Michael. Um, He's got to be really good for them, too, not just a shot maker. He's got to rebound the ball and be a, a big piece of them. So it is a, it is to your question about youth and about experience. I mean, Jimmy Butler in the playoffs, uh, to me, he's not going to be bothered at all by the moment. We know that. Um, I still think Jimmy Butler late in the game, you know, you need a final shot. Which guy do you feel most comfortable with? Is it Jokic? Is it Jimmy Butler? I still lean Jimmy Butler. Um, so I just I would not write off this this Miami Heat team at all. I just don't think you can. And I know it's the odds will say different. I know the Nuggets will be the favorite, but I just don't think with what, what the Miami Heat have done so far. I mean, sweeping the Bucks um, and sweeping them. I mean, in a very like easy ho hum manner. Uh, I know injuries were a part of that series, but this Miami Heat team doesn't fear anybody, and I think they have all the confidence in the world that they're going to go beat Denver. Okay, so when it comes to Jokic and Murray. Uh, here's a couple of uh, interesting stats. Murray became the second player to average 30 points on 50, 40, 90 shooting in multiple playoff series, mm. joining Kevin Durant. And how about this one? Jokic is the third player in league history to average a triple-double in the playoffs entering the finals, Man. joining 1982 Magic Johnson and 1967 Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> So that's he, he was, ridiculous. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. He was picked right. for, 41st overall, second-round pick. And we talk about, uh, I think in a, a previous podcast, we talked about uh, Joel Embiid and the dramatic decrease in points per game that he had from the regular season to the postseason, which was the largest in NBA history for an MVP. Well, the largest career increase 
in points per game from regular season to playoffs. Jamal Murray's one plus 8.5, and then Jokic is plus 7.1, and this is with a minimum of 20 playoff games. So this two-man game, Murray and Jokic, I mean, I'm looking at an article right now that says it's tempting to call Jokic and Murray this combo the best playoff duo we've seen since Kobe and Shaq. And you say that, and it sounds ridiculous, but then I tell you Jokic is averaging a triple-double going into the finals, and the only two guys that have done that are Magic Johnson and Will Chamberlain. And then I tell you what Murray's been doing, averaging 30 points on 50, 40, 90 shooting. The numbers suggest it ain't that crazy, Yeah. right? Yeah. And, look, I was listening to to podcasts uh, that that are current NBA players. So C.J. McCollum has a great one. you know, J.J. Reddick's a former player. Uh, he has a great podcast. But I, I love listening to the players' dynamic of regular season to postseason in the playoffs. And, you know, <laughs> Jokic is not a guy that probably, you know, it's not a motivating factor publicly that he's, you know, when, he, when you, you listen to Nikola Jokic speak to the media, he's very charismatic. You know, he's very laid back. But him not getting the MVP to me when it, it went to Joel Embiid, I still think there's something there with Jokic that is like, Should okay, be. I'm going to go win a championship now. Like, this is – this I got overlooked, and he's he'll never say it. But I, I do think – and just some of the – you know, my, my close contacts in, in, with the Nuggets organization, I do think he's got a little bit of a different thought process right now in the playoffs, which I think is great. I like his brothers. I love his brothers. Bro- Much brothers different. <laughs> ready brother, to fight or brother, party yeah, or both. I was going to say, brothers are a little different than, than Nicola. Yeah, just, just, just know, a, you know. They're sitting there picking up Coach Malone and like right. throwing him through the Crypto Center in L.A. after they win. They I mean, picked just, up J- Jamal Murray's dad and like, were throwing him up in the air <laughs> right. after they won the right. uh, conference finals. Right. Like, so. I, but but the, the point, too, is like Jokic, to me, has just taken an, a next step because – you saw it in the Lakers series when LeBron was guarding him and Rui Hachimura was guarding him and his scoring because he was a just a bucket. He was an automatic bucket when Anthony Anthony Davis was guarding him. I mean, he just kind of carved him up, went to the rim, and just scored at will. And he did. He's done that a lot in the playoffs. But then you look at how he adjusts and his passing at 14 assists uh, in the closeout game with the Lakers. Uh, he's still rebounding the ball at such a high level and he's still scoring, but. It allows guys like Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon to step up and play off of him and have more opportunities because those role players have to be able to finish and have to be able to be productive because so much attention is going to be on Jamal and going to be on Jokic, Is it, especially in their two-man game or if isolating Jokic on the block or on the perimeter. He's going to see a lot of different defenses. and. Your role players got to step up and be big in the series, and and it's not just Jamal. It's Aaron Gordon. It's Michael Porter. Those guys got to play well, and then also Contavious Caldwell Pope. I think has been very good. He was a great acquisition for this Nuggets team. He's a great shooter. He can really attack the rim. Um, so that that's what to me makes the Nuggets scary is the fact that Jokic is playing at such a high level, but all these other guys are really contributing when they need to, and that's what makes a great team go. And that's why these this Nuggets team. Yes, Jokic is the the focal point, but it's also everything around Jokic that has really carried this team, and it's why they're so tough to guard and they're such a tough out. That is the challenge for the Miami Heat. But if there is one team that can make you uncomfortable and one team that can bring a level of physicality, like old school, if you will, like we follow you know, the NBA, we talk about the last dance, the 90s. To me, the Miami Heat has some old schoolness to them of being the more physical, more tougher team that, to me, wins the finals this year, is who is the tougher team. So, uh, you know, with Denver, you know, 
the the local ties of Michael Porter Jr. and Christian Brown uh, makes it you know easier to root for them. And look, and Jokic, I mean, how could you not appreciate what he's doing? They're fat. Jamal Murray when he's hot, they're fabulous team to watch, right? But I made this comment uh, on my show earlier today. It would be so cool to be an actual Miami Heat fan, right? Because of what you're talking about, because of the way Jimmy Butler plays. Because of, of the construction of the roster, when you have you know three undrafted free agents that are starters, so many guys in the rotation that were afterthoughts when it came to the NBA draft that weren't supposed to even be in the NBA, much less star in the NBA, and right at the top of the list is Caleb Martin. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about the series he had and maybe what uh, type of impact he's going to have in the finals. It was a toss-up over who would be named MVP of the Eastern Conference Finals. The media vote was 5-4 to four in favor of Jimmy Buckets. We're talking about playoff Jimmy, but Caleb Martin was right there. And, uh, you know, some people thought that he should have got, uh, got the nod. And I'm looking at most efficient jump shooters in the playoffs this year. Derek White, uh, points per shot on jumpers, 1.37. Derek White, Caleb Martin, 1.36. Ahead of Booker, ahead of Jamal Murray, ahead of Austin Reeves. He's been incredible, and, you know, you have a, a Hall of Fame coach. You have a tough team that's actually a team made up of a bunch of guys that weren't supposed to be as good as they are, and I would love to be, like, if, you know, hey, I like watching the Heat, but I'm not a Miami guy. Right. You're like, everybody wants to be a Mahomes Chiefs fan. We're Chiefs fan. We're from Kansas City. You can't get on our bandwagon. <laughs> but, like, for the Miami Heat, I just I, – I love what they are. Yeah. And how they play. You wonder, like, how in the hell were they only an eight seed? But still, now what they've done and what they've shown, it, 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 it gives you more. Like, like sometimes the NBA is a huge, it's, it's a stars league, right? Mm-hmm. This gives you, uh, I think, something to watch when you love the team effort. Like you said, toughness. And maybe the, the, the team aspect of uh, what we love about college basketball. You know, it just seems like one of these teams you fall in love with, the NCAA tournament that runs all the way to the Final Four, right? Yep. And so tell me about Caleb Martin, because I think he's a great example of what this organization produces. Yeah. So, I mean, Caleb Martin is just a, a terrific story of um, really going through um, and doing it the hard way. So you're talking about a guy that, you know, wasn't heavily recruited at high school, um, you know, starts at NC State and is there for two years, transfers, has to sit out a year goes to Nevada. Um, he was Mountain West uh, Player of the Year. Um, so it wasn't like he was a, you know, someone that was overlooked. He was a very good player. Uh, his draft class was a solid draft. He goes undrafted. Um, I believe he signs an E-10 with Charlotte. And an E-10, it's, it's basically a training camp invite. Uh, you're playing in summer league. You're probably going to be in the G League, obviously. Uh, and he ended up going to Greensboro with the Swarm. And that's where it starts and ends up getting waived. And the Miami Heat, and the, I mean, this is what where scouting comes into play, and, and the impact and the importance of scouting. You got Jay um, Cole making phone J- calls. Jay Cole behalf. making phone calls to coaches, and you know, you, you need an every player needs an opportunity to try to make it. And depending on where that opportunity is, and where you're going, and where you fit, so much you know, the word fit can be overused. But you know, Caleb is a great fit in Miami. Um, he's a guy that's a very smart player. He's got positional size. He's, t- he's not the greatest athlete. He's not the strongest player. He's, he wasn't the most skilled coming out. 
He's gotten better and better and better, and he's gone through the development program. He's accepted and embraced who he is. He has a level of self-awareness, um, and he's willing to take coaching, and he's improved his game. Uh, he has played every role you can think of. And then when the moment was the biggest moment, he was he got that opportunity to made the most of it, and I think it all stems back from his entire process and journey to get to where he's at, dating back to college, dating back to high school, going through getting waived and cut. He had to sign an E10 and a two-way. Now he's you know he resigned last summer on a three-year deal, and you know I'm sure the Miami Heat see a, see him as a, as a much big bigger piece than he probably even sees himself. But he was great in this series. He outplayed Jalen Brown. Their numbers look similar in terms of production, but the efficiency that you touch on. the the efficiency is not even close and just how efficient Caleb Martin was limited shots, making shots, uh, being ready for the moment, um, not taking bad shots. Again, the IQ piece, understanding how to play. And and this is where I think coach Spo um, does such a great job. You have to have guys that buy into their role, that listen to coaching, that embrace who they are, that know how to play, that know how to to play off of Jimmy Butler and Bam out of Bayou. Um, and that's why Caleb was so great in this series, and he's been consistent for the most part throughout the playoffs, and especially with Tyler Hero, Hero being out. Caleb has stepped up into that moment, and I'm sure Tyler Hero is looking at it going, man, you know, right now Caleb's in my role, and he's playing well in that role, and that's all you need is an opportunity. Is it – look, you, you, you want uh, Tyler Hero uh, to be healthy, and you want him back in the rotation, but is it going to be hard – to to just just drop him in and yeah. try to try to figure like you're talking about this to to figure out the rotation and drop him in they're not going to say no to that kind of talent if he's healthy but that's 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 not going to be easy right right no I, this is very similar to you know I, I I equate it to us in New Orleans of just we had so many guys out this year that Jose Alvarado Najee Marshall starting were, were starting for us at different times and Najee at different times has been the eighth ninth guy off the bench and then he's starting and he's averaging. 15, 16 points, and then everybody comes back and he goes back to his role. So it's it's definitely a, a, a mind, uh, like a challenge mentally to have to kind of, you're pulled in different directions and you just got to be willing to embrace whatever's going to be asked of you. Uh, and if you can play in a more advanced role, that's great from a development standpoint. Um, but with guys coming back, you know, there's only, so it's a, kind of the phrase that always goes around, there's only one basketball to go around. Right, and what to do defensively. Right, right. And, 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 and your stars are going to get you through the series. Like, you have to have Jimmy play well. You have to have Bam play well. But the other guys do have to step up. So I, I, I think it mostly helps Caleb be ready for anything that's asked. And I, I do think from a, just his future trajectory, he becomes that much more valuable because he will always be able to start, come off the bench, be a key reserve, be a rotation player. Whatever you need him to do, he'll be ready and be able to play in, in different roles. And that versatility with that level of efficiency, that's what you want in a player, especially especially in the playoffs when you're getting ready to go to the finals. Okay, so uh, I was talking with uh, Matt Moore from the Action Network on my uh, morning show earlier today, and I respect his opinion a lot, and I was asking him about this matchup between the Heat uh, and the Nuggets, and he just said he can't get past the idea that that Jokic-Bam Adebayo is such a god-awful matchup for Miami. <laughs> there's just there's nothing yeah. that Bam has for Jokic. And look, that's nothing – I mean, who, who does have anything? I'm like, the guy is averaging a triple double, right. but he said he's this is such a bad matchup that he just he can't find a path to victory for Miami. So if you're Miami, what do you what do you do? Yeah. What the hell do you do here? Yeah, I, I well, I think number one, you you got to throw different doubles in different ways. Um, you have to give Jokic different looks, but ultimately, if if you're going to try to get the ball out of his hands and you're going to double or trap or 
you know, whatever, it, it, whenever he puts the ball on the floor, if you're coming from the weak side, your backline defense has to be great because that's where Jokic can pick you apart is he, his vision is so elite and he can see two steps ahead and, and that's all you need. And if a defender falls asleep or turns his head or isn't in the right spot or isn't rotating down or crashing down or rotating out to the perimeter, it's an automatic bucket because he's, he's such a great passer. Uh, and he's very unselfish. He doesn't care if he's scoring or passing. He just impacts the offense that much. I would start with Bam, actually. I want to see if Bam can do it because I think Bam will take on a challenge. Now, look, <laughs> to your point, Jokic has carved up the most NBA centers in the, these playoffs, um, Anthony Davis for one. But, you know, so I, I, but then you start getting creative. You know, do, do you switch it up? Do you go with, with Caleb? Do you, do you switch it up and go small? Do you, you know, is it uh, something where you're, you're looking at Jimmy? you know, switching up and guarding Jokic. That could be an option, too. Um, so you're going to probably have to get creative throughout the series. But at the end of the day, it also comes down to guarding everybody else that's on the floor. The Jamal Murray, the Aaron Gore, the Michael Porter, the Contavious Caldwell-Pope. You, I mean, you're going to have to block them down as well and be, be in position to defend those guys. And that's what makes this this series and just the, the NBA in general is the skill set in this this league right now, the talent level so high that everybody that's on this floor can play. And you got to guard everybody. It, and Jokic is the focal point of, of the defensive game plan that will change throughout. Um, and look, there's a lot of undrafted guys. If like to, to what we said earlier, if you're just putting these rosters side by side, Denver's got more more talent for sure. Uh, but I just think some of these guys could could impact a game. Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent. Like Gabe's had some big games. Um, they they can go up. Kyle Lowry's a little bit up and down, but Kyle Lowry's had some big moments in the playoffs as well. And he's very much to our, our comments earlier. He's experienced. He's that veteran that can play. So there's a lot of different different things that could could happen in this series. Um, we'll see what Spo does because I'm, I'm I think game one will tell uh, a lot to Coach Spo, Spo of where to make the adjustment. Is it someone you know you're you're, you're changing up your personnel to guard Jokic? Um, that to me is the biggest part of, of this series of, of how the right now the Miami Heat can get through this guarding Jokic. Uh, and making him a little bit uncomfortable and disrupt a little bit of what Denver does offensively. All right, take us through who uh, will win the NBA Finals in how many games and who will be the Finals MVP. So I think I'm going to go the Nuggets in six um, right now. And, you know, I, I want to give it, you know, the MVP to Jokic. I, I think it probably will. But I that's I, I kind of want to, for podcast purposes, I'm going to go with Jamal Murray, actually. I'm going to see Michael Porter Jr. I know, I, I, throw I, the microphone <laughs> across the studio. I think Jamal Murray, because I, I the way I look at the series, I, I think Miami's going to do everything to make Jokic a passer, um, to take away scoring, and Jokic is still going to score. So I think Jamal Murray could have that. You know, if he, if he does anything like he did in the Western Conference Finals where he's scoring 30 and shooting 60, and they win the series. I think Jamal Murray has a chance uh, to be in this this Finals MVP conversation, but it's probably Jokic. Um, but I, I do think it depends on how this series kind of kind of flows and game flow, and you know, late in the game, um, if they're trying to get, get the ball out of Jokic's hand, I think it's going to be Jamal Murray that steps up and, and is that guy, just like he was in the playoffs in 2020. So all, all kidding aside, like for the local guys uh, that were going to have us interested, do you, do you think uh, Christian Brown sees minutes? in this finals and we know michael porter jr will uh what do you think his role is going to be uh in this finals if the nuggets do uh, uh do indeed win tell me what uh, your expe expectations are for uh, mpj yeah so i mean michael's a huge part of the series um because of his size because of his shooting and i think in the what we saw in the lakers series his ability to go rebound the ball 
Um, he had you know, good games where he's on the glass, and you know he. I think Michael, he's he's fine, finally found how to play without the ball. Because let's face it, in high school and college, the ball's going through him, right? He's he's the focal point of any team he's been on, dating back to his AAU days. And you know, playing with Jokic, I think it took him a little bit to play without the ball and being more of a spot up guy, more of a cutter. That's different for Michael, and I think it's a challenge that he had early on in his career. And he was such – I mean, I can say he was such a liability defensively when he got into the NBA. And he's hes now, I think, learned and understand he can't be you know so bad defensively, and he's been better, and he's gotten so much better in terms of his rotations and you know, knowing where the ball's at, seeing man and ball, being able to move as the ball moves, uh, not being late to his assignment and coverage – uh, and just being more of an impact with his size and not, you know, being able to maintain the ball a little bit more too. But but rebounding to me is the biggest thing for Michael. He's got to be on the glass to help in this series because uh, that's been a big help for the Nuggets throughout the playoffs is not just depending so much on Jokic to rebound the ball, Aaron Gordon. Um, Michael's been there to be able to be on the glass, and, and I think that's been a big help to, uh, to the series. For Christian, uh, um, you know, had some DNPs obviously in the – the Western Conference Finals. He's just got to be ready. Um, you know, I, it would not surprise me at all if Miami gets some rhythm and they're playing well and they're shooting the ball well. And you know, it's tough for Nuggets to match up with Jimmy or Bam or you know these these undrafted guys are stepping up like Caleb or like Max and Duncan coming off the bench hit threes. I mean, Christian Brown absolutely could be used in the series, and he's got to be ready because defensive-minded players they found if, if you need that they're going to play in the playoffs and Christian's earned that he's been one of the best rookie defenders uh, in the NBA and he's had such a great rookie year and he's had great moments in the playoffs but it would not shock me at all if he get, gets put in this game because of his tenacity his toughness he's going to be fearless he's not going to be afraid of the moment I know that for a fact and that's something that really helps Christian have a chance to get on the floor in the series and can you imagine if that was the case and Christian's won state championships he's won an NCAA national championship to now be in the finals for, with a chance to win an NBA championship, that's pretty impressive of just the winning piece of it. Christian Brown's been there many of times, and that's going to make this series a lot of fun for him. Do you think there's any chance that Jimmy Butler will once again challenge Jokic to a fight by oh, telling man. him to bring your ass to the back? <laughs> Could and that happen? Well, and you know, like, Jokic's brothers will be in the back, too. Right. It'll just be a full-on. Yeah, it could be really interesting what could happen there, but... I it w- I mean there's I some, wouldn't want there- to fight anyone that you just mentioned any of the Jokic brothers I wouldn't either yeah Jokic no Jimmy Butler I want them to all just be happy yeah I wouldn't want to mess with Bam Adebayo right. either no thanks um, right no I wouldn't want to but be there in- was uh, some bad blood for there. sure I think and now you got the finals so, I mean I'm not saying they're gonna once you know I'm Jimmy Butler may or may not challenge him to fight out back <laughs> but I mean there's there was bad blood there this is gonna be a super intense finals, I think. Yeah, I think I'm glad you brought it up because I think it's something that's not talked about a lot. Like, this team did have some bad blood throughout the regular season. Um, I think Aaron Gordon was a little bit a part of this, you know, back and forth. Well, there's We've talked about this before. There's some, some past experiences with these guys on di- maybe different teams that comes into play here. Um, so, yeah, it, it is definitely a talking point. I, I, I know the players will downplay it, and you know, but well, once you get in the heat of competition – uh, maybe some things get said. Yeah, those those things can come back quite quite quickly uh, to make this even more in, in, intriguing than it is. But yeah, I I would just say too, going into the finals, and you said it earlier. This is uh, this is probably more me just kind of venting. But I know you know odds and and bet the betting line and and what you know what's the what's the spread and oh you know the Heat or the eight seed. This isn't going to be a series. 
to me, this is very much going to be a series. I'd be shocked if this was like 3-0 in some. I think it'll be pretty balanced. I do think I do have the Nuggets in six right now. Could easily see it going seven. And obviously, from a just league standpoint, I would love to see it go I seven. Game seven. I know. I would right. love to see a game seven. Let's um, do that. Yeah. So it's going to be a fun series, and it's just cool to see. Also, like two teams that haven't really been here, you know, like Spo has, but Nuggets really haven't. And um, that to me is is what makes us great for the league. Is it's two teams that you know we can get behind, and and it's going to be make it make it exciting. I'm a, I'm a contrarian. I did not want anything to do with another Lakers and Celtics. So so I'm all in on uh, yeah. Heat and Nuggets. Yep. Uh, and so uh, that is your preview of the NBA Finals. And again, uh, Charlie Hustle, that's the place to go to get all the gear, right? Get there. Get there. I'm telling you, that's uh, best gear in town. S- support your local schools. Support, support your local teams. Uh, great you know, company here in Kansas City, local company here that does such, such great work uh, here in Kansas City. And uh, we couldn't be more grateful to have them as our sponsor. That's right. Go to charliehustle.com for more information. And until next episode, don't forget, Kansas City is for hustlers.